Shafee. Shafee, are you there? Double ninja style. Now you can whack a few zombies with this. Because you got one. Actually, I love the way this goes into scabbard. The scabbard actually harnesses both swords. here. I was about to say night has fallen on the hill country, but night has not quite fallen on the hill country. There's still some sunlight left out there, and the uh, limestone is still a nice nice color of pink, and the birds, well, they've still, they've, they've vacated. They're done with dinner. But, uh, but night, yeah, not quite fallen. It seems, seems almost weird to be talking into the microphone in the ivory-covered castle when there's still little bits of little bits of light peeking through here and there peeking through the bamboo out back uh that's all right we're still excited to be here for one magical hour a matthew and schaefer podcast spectacular got lots to talk to you about alongside the man with mandibles like the predator the pride of tarzana california the proverbial man inside two garages matthew rampy hello matthew I was tripping when I wrote this, forgive me if it goes astray, but when I woke up this morning, could have sworn it was podcast day. The lights were all purple, there were people downloading the cast. This podcast is a party and parties weren't meant to last. Cause they say 100 podcast over oops out of time. So tonight I'm gonna podcast like it's episode 99. <laughs> Don't you wanna go? What? <clears throat> what is the hey, line? What is the line after 2000? Or it's two thousand zero zero party over oops out of time. Party over oops. Okay, I never really know what he said uh, there. And when well, I, heard... I looked it up today in the, in an effort to write an accurate parody, <laughs> I just looked it up so I can confirm that, or at least the nudniks on the internet think that that's what it is. That's parties over oops. I get it now. Yeah, I, uh, I always kind of just let that let that one gloss right by, let that one flow right by. A lot of times you let lyrics flow right by until you're writing a parody. Until the time comes. And then you want some veracity. I actually kind of mixed a couple of verses there. So, Is that the um, first Prince parody in all these <sighs> 99 podcasts? Surely not. Maybe. It won't be the last. <laughs> uh, sure. Also, inspired by the video that you posted... Of the day that we went to Jameson's house to help him paint his <laughs> living room. And yeah. you brought the Wii karaoke machine. And for Courtney York, we did a Prince tune. Little Red Corvette. And it wasn't good. <laughs> hey, everybody, don't go to our Facebook page and watch a video of Schaefer and I. It wasn't Jameson's good. It was great. Kitchen. <laughs> sort of doing Little Red Corvette. Um that was a that's definitely a song that I needed to look up the lyrics to. But I don't know. Episode ninety nine just inspired me to, you know. It makes perfect sense. Uh do that sort of thing. Not that not that ninety nine is the same kind of um brings about the same sort of terror as nineteen ninety nine seemed to do upon the human race. Oh sure. Uh, there is, there's actually no there's no danger of episode 100 shorting out the global banking system or whatever <laughs> we thought was going to happen. I don't know. We're it really seems, addicted to fear. We are really addicted to fear. We or or we're ruled by fear, I guess. You know, it's it's definitely uh I saw a list the other day of all the years for Y2K on to 
the pan between now and between Y2K and the pandemic, all of the things that we've thought were certainly going to end civilization and really haven't. So good news. Good news. Human virus. You are you continue to rule the world. I'm trying to remember. Okay, so Y2K hit us, and of course, nothing, nothing apocalyptic happened. Well, uh, I mean, they were. I guess they were able to write some scripts that averted whatever possible catastrophe was at hand. But man, I, a little overblown, don't you think? I. But I remember hearing. I'm trying to find this now on the internet. I remember hearing that there was some issue with the WWF. Like they. <laughs> I don't know what like, is that the World Wildlife Fund? No, the world, oh, the, the world, the, the World Wrestling, Wrestling Federation. Yeah, uh, you know, maybe I'm making this up entirely now. I don't, I can't find any information uh, about it on the. Mm, I thought I remember hearing that their check any of this. Their databases were skewed, and something like something happened because of that. Uh, you, are you saying that uh, wrestling saved us all? <laughs> they did. Is that what you're suggesting? I think it is. There were some unreadable data trans transmitted from spy satellites. That seems. Oh, guys, you got to make sure that that those are updated. Let me ask you, Shafi. How are you feeling here, episode ninety nine, on the precipice of one hundred? I'm excited about 100. But you're bored by 99 already? <laughs> <No>. Okay. <laughs> Let's try to spice it up from here. Where's the <laughs> robots? Uh, uh, what was I saying? I was going to talk about, oh, yeah. Shafee, have I ever, hey, Shafee, hey, let me try it again. Hey, Shafee, have I ever told you how much? Our guests and contributors loom large in my mind. Uh, no, tell me all about it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, um, they do. They totally do. Like Alex Battles, for instance. I am always wondering what Alex is up to. And there was this time a couple of three weeks ago where Alex was texting us all these great show ideas and like my life was too hectic at the moment to really give it the attention that it deserved. And I'm afraid because of my negligence, uh, Alex is not thinking about the show like he used to. I'm sure like just stuff's going on in his life, you know, like the same with what was happening in his mind, but without a doubt, um, I can't, I can't, you know, thank him enough for, his attention to and curation of and contribution to and support of and writing of the themes. <laughs> like all the things Alex has done for the show. Uh, man, I really appreciate that. And then I, you know, everybody else is involved to uh, Gino Jameson and Brian Benitez and Ada and Matthias and Gabby and, Q Nation and Lindsay Anderberg and first guest Andrew Porter. First guest Andrew Porter. Do you think he ever listened to either his episode or any other episode? I I can't guess I'm confirm not sure. or deny yeah. any of that, right? Couldn't yeah. say. Okay. Try not, I you know, like I, I try not to hold a gun to anybody's head and be like, oh, you know. Sure. Sure. But you usually know who's listening. We've had listeners come. We've had listeners go. We might gain a new listener someday. Um, I spoke to Jay Walker at a wedding over the weekend. He is not only a supporter, he expressed interest in being a guest. So, I mean, there's something. Yeah. Like somebody listened to us and they were like, I would like to be on that show. <sighs> so there's something to live for, right? Definitely. Not only not only possibly more people are going to download and listen to the show, but also somebody wants to be a guest, and we don't even know what we're going to talk to Jay about. But I'll he, he would out be something. a Jay would be a fun guest because he knows where a lot of the bodies are buried. Wouldn't you say? <laughs> Metaphorically speaking, I'd like 
I'd like to talk to Jay about one of the first things that interested me about him, which was home brewing. I don't know if he's done that in a long time, but he was the first guy I ever knew who was like, I am brewing beer. Here it is. Taste it. Taste my beer. And at the time, it tasted a lot like home brewed beer. I think home brewing brewing beer is a lot like uh, betting at the racetrack. The first beer that you ever brew is always a big success. One, I think, because your standards are lower. You're a little more forgiving of it. But also, you're so amped up about careful. You know, everybody tells you how important it is to follow every single step when you're brewing beer and, and be really careful about your temperatures and careful about your sterilization. And then, and I think the first time you do that, and then the second time, I think you're like, oh, I, I brewed a pretty good beer. I've got this now. And then you just and, let it loose. It gets then, loose after the first time. And then your next, uh, the, your next, you know, and this, uh, f- there's another f- brews. Yeah. It takes a while mid- to balance or out. Midland. I think that it's a different phenomenon though, but it's, it's the same phenomenon, phenomenon, but for different reasons. The other thing, anytime you go to the horse track, if it's your first time, bet pretty heavily because for some reason everybody wins their first bet. It's just a weird thing that happens mm-hmm. at the horse track. <laughs> and that, then, I think that's that's you know what I think that is. It's the um, it's the mischievous god of gambling. Yeah, yeah. That make, draws you in. Make sure with, it was in. Like any sort of put, like any sort of pusher man gives you a little hit right at first, you know. Yep. You're and like, then you're oh hooked. hell, I got this. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of brewing beer, Shafee, have you had this Austin Beer Works Mexican style lager, La Verdad? I have not. Actually, you I have. Oh, you haven't had it. I must have. I must have tried it because we've we've sold it at uh, at one of at the, the various craft beer establishments that I've worked at over the years. Uh, yeah, it's no, not I, that old. Well, it's, then it was. I think they've only been doing. They've only been doing it for like two or three years. Well, then, then probably it had it at the front page. Be the front page, yeah. Yeah, uh, I you know, I occasionally drink Modelo Especial, mostly because that's what Manish mm-hmm. drinks, and because you know it's a relatively inoffensive beer that you can have on a hot day. But I don't. It's not because I like the taste. It's got kind of a watery, you know, half beery taste that I really ascribe to all of the Mexican style lagers. Tecate, sure. you know, Tecate is inoffensive, but I like Tecate as a chaser if I'm drinking cheap tequila. Uh, right. Uh-huh. You know, but, I, but I'd but i rather, I'd much rather get down with the tequila than the Tecate, to be honest. Uh, and then, so why, yeah, so why, why they need to, uh, to these craft beer breweries, why they need to go out of their way to make one in that style. Like, uh, however, you know, I, you know, I think the deal is a lot of people really do like them and, you know, even, you know, there's, there's, you know, the Corona Corona has a distinctive taste to it because it's in a clear glass bottle and the light hits it and the light chemically changes the beer and gives it a very, what, what people would consider an off flavor and what most people would find to be unpleasant taste, but some people really like that taste. And so that's, you know, that's why they read it. And it's the same with uh, green bottles like Heineken uh, or Yingling right. or Rolling Rock. Like I would never want to, I would never go out of my way to drink a Rolling Rock in a million years. Uh, but right. so, some people love the taste. And, you know, uh, Jester King just released this new, uh, uh, this new kind of hopped, hopped beer. Uh, with Belgian yeast, it's a really good beer. I don't remember the name of it now. It's just we've got some of it oh, at the. Great. Well, thanks. Uh, welcome, new sponsor Jester King. Yeah. Uh, also, oh, oh, I'm just getting word that Jester King has canceled their sponsorship. <laughs> but they, uh, they bottled it in a green bottle just to get that kind of <laughs> that kind of funky really? flavor. Yeah, really? they did it. They did it on purpose. Well, that's funny. Uh, so. Uh, you know that's that's you know. Well, wait, that's gonna... So I think if you're going for a Mexican lager, you got to go with Carta Blanca, 
or Pacifico both come in brown bottles. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I find it preserves. I agree. I'm not into that clear or green bottle skunky flavor. I will say though, I, anytime I'm having like a a lake beer or a summertime beer, I definitely prefer a Mexican lager over a, an American uh, rice beer. You know, mm-hmm. um, personally, you know, I mean that, that's sort of like a Tecate is on the same level as your uh, your Miller Light, your Coors Light, your whatever light. Um, so I don't know. I was just drinking one of those. Lover dad. Yeah. And what was, what was your assessment? Mexico. So, um, you know, it's like anytime a craft hipster bougie thing is incorporating some, you know, plebeian preference, like a, (laughs) like a Mexican style lager. I, I, I found it interesting and maybe like dressed up a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. That, that, that's what a, a lot of craft beers, a lot of craft brewers take something and approximate the flavor, but then add a little, a little extra hops or something, you know? So I don't know. I didn't find it offensive. It has a very, like a lot of Austin Beer Works brews, has a very festive uh, can and package design, which I enjoy. And um, I don't know. I'm enjoying it. Something different. I'm my main go-to is the real ale Hans Pils, which is another like we've taken a style, the German Pilsner, and we've hopped it up a little bit. Uh, But boy, for me, not drinking, I've been drinking very few beers. But when I I want to have a beer, that crisp German Pils. The continental lager, they call it in England. Um, I, you know, I enjoy that. So, I didn't mean for this to turn into a discussion about beer. I wanted this to turn into a podcast. We, uh, I was trying to remember. We, I was talking with somebody who works at a brewery somewhere, who said they would be interested in coming on. <laughs> well, can you attribute that? <laughs> I'll have to get to the bottom of that. Right now, I'm trying to find the name of that. I hear a lot of clicking going on over there. Yeah, I'm trying to find the name of that. Jester King beer, so we can get back their sponsor. Yeah. Oh, um, here you, here you are. Good. Jester King yeah. Bitter Death. Bitter Death Extra Hoppy Belgian Style Pale Ale. Oh, see, that sounds delicious. It is awesome. Wait, let me try that again. That sounds delicious? No, well, I mean, this is a, um, this is exactly my like. I like the Belgians, but I don't reach for them too much because they tend to be t- too sweet. Um, and so I'll only have you know I like I'll enjoy a Belgian for a sip or two. Um, but there are some like the classic Duval, uh, mm-hmm. and then Delirium Tremens kind of does this too. If they put some hops in there, then it then it offsets that uh, that sweetness really nicely. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what they've done with this one. Uh, and they put it in a green bottle. And it's so good. And, yeah. To let the light do its thing. You know, Shafee, speaking of letting light do its thing, I wanted to return to a, um, a thoughts on art uh, segment that we were, or just like... Um, Remember that segment, Thoughts on Art? Yes. At one point, we were talking about Thoughts on Art. And we were talking about a Houston museum. Um, Manil. The Manil, right. And I was trying to call up the name of an artist. And... And then I see in the latest, uh, the May 2021 Smithsonian, this artist is featured on the cover, James Terrell. Now that I say the name, do you know James Terrell? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, his sort of thing, 
what he's really known for is sky spaces, which are enclosed spaces open to the sky through an aperture in the roof. There's one of those at the Manila, right? Uh, it's actually on the Rice University campus, but it's under the auspices okay. of the Manila. And, uh, and it's okay. it's a great, it's a really cool place. And I once, uh, this friend of mine who was an opera singer did this uh, really awesome, like, kind of a renaissance or shit some really old uh, uh, operatic performance pieces there at that place. It was super cool because you're kind of surrounded. You're looking down while they're performing. They're perf- so they're performing up to you. And then you're leaning back. You're looking up at the sky. It was really neat. Um, so, yeah, James Terrell. I don't know. Well, I, I love his work. Uh, I, I like it because it's the whole, like, his work is about an experience, you know. What it reminds me of is I spent a bunch of time in art school studying Greek and Roman architecture. <laughs> um, partially because of the professor who taught that. Penelope Davies. She was enchanting. Um, Took like three or four of her sections. Um, But one thing that always struck me about their whole vibe was a temple complex was often a kinetic experience, right? Like you would approach the temple complex at a certain place and you were led through this path and you would come out at this place at the top of a hill or into you would come into the temple and then out of the temple into the light or something about your experience as the viewer or experiencer of the thing was very much about um, the space. And, and so I, I don't know. I just love the way he takes this idea of like, he's like, I think he's a Quaker and it's just like, you know, experiencing the natural world and sort of like a framework. Like, I don't know, in a lot of ways, this podcast is a lot like it. It's a kinetic experience. We're experiencing the natural world of Matthew and Jaffe through a framework. Um, no, no, that's absurd that I'm comparing us to James Terrell, of course. But um, Matthew, you I want, to- I'm going to do I'm going to do a deeper dive on James Terrell and we're going to have a proper thoughts on art. Uh, about him with some actual like um, you need to get I, uh, I, I feel, you need to get I, to I'm Argentina always, I'm always I'm always threatening to research something uh, yes I do Shafi as a matter of fact how did you know to the Colome winery, winery in a state uh, where they have it's it's like nine like not, a nine Terrell work nine Terrell pieces they consider it's kind of considered oh. a, the James Terrell Museum Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and it looks awesome. Yeah, I, have a, I have a neighbor who's an Argentine. Maybe he can recommend a place to stay. Or the Netherlands for the Celestial Vault, which is built into a crater. Oh, it's an well, artificial and crater. Then, the, and then this is um, this article is about uh, a, a massive work he's doing in the Arizona desert in an Arizona crater. Fun. Uh, you can yeah. also go to a resort in Greece where it looks like there's like basically the the spa or whatever is designed by him. <laughs> looks pretty great. <laughs> yeah, just gonna have to do a little bit of a world tour. Oh, and here's yeah, here's the one at Rice too. It's it's super super cool looking. It kind of it kind of reminds me a little bit of like an Aztec pyramid, only you know because it's got the kind of pyramid shape and it's covered in grass yeah you walk up to it and then it has a little it's a cool thing yeah yeah thanks for bringing up james Terrell. I, I hadn't thought about that in a while i just i think about that performance that my friend did every now and then and then but his work is special well, i hate it when i um, mentioned something on the podcast and i can barely remember the name and so <laughs> I thought I'd bring it up again. Um, but hey, have you seen this um, Bo Burnham special on Netflix? Inside? I have not. I saw the, I saw one section, sorry, one song 
that was the uh, uh, middle-aged white woman's Instagram. Oh man, that, that's probably the most brilliant song too. That that made me laugh quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, really compelling stuff. Also, what I found interesting about it was this is how he spent his creativity in the pandemic, you know, and it really helped him through the pandemic. And it reminded me of another creative endeavor that was born of the pandemic, the podcast. And maybe our podcast is not quite as epic as Bo Burnham's special. A lot of, um, and maybe we didn't quite throw ourselves into it like he did, but, um, you know, there's similarities, a lot of similarities, including musical comedy. Yeah. Musical comedy. Who likes that? Raise your hand. Everybody's. Ooh, 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 Mr. Carter, Mr. Carter. Anybody not raising their hands is lying. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was, it's getting good reviews and it's good. It's very interesting. You know, it's different than, um, also like the podcast, it deals with mental health issues. And so, um, yeah, good stuff. Speaking of musical comedy, have you recently seen Curtis Blow's basketball music video? No. Is that you a haven't? New, is that a new thing? No, it's not a new thing. Oh, okay. It's a it is not a new thing, but it was a thing that was recently brought to my attention. And um, I want everybody out there to to Google or YouTube. Curtis Blow, basketball. I'm playing basketball. He's playing basketball. Uh, I mean, Curtis Blow, who has a ton of street cred and is obviously a rap founder and phenomenon, um, had this one track basketball that's just the campiest, goofiest. The video is absurd. The lyrics are ridiculous. They just name drop all these players. Um, it, and it's all about how much Curtis Blow loves basketball. Um, I, that's I, another thing. I, I think we maybe should put that on the Facebook. Well, you can put um, it on the Facebook page. Yeah, I, I just it, in terms of this show being about um, look, I'm going to right now I'm going to actually I'm going to alter the show sheet. And I'm going to move something up here because this is this because it'll be a good segue. I, I only alter the show sheet for better segues. Um, I think we've got a, uh, a classic segment coming up here in relate <laughs> related to Curtis Blow's basketball um, yield workshop. So there's something about watching a weird old video from the eighties. That's like esoteric, right? Don't you think that me mentioning Curtis blow and, and basketball is a little esoteric. I mean, yeah, it's like a bizarre, highly specialized subject, right? I just, I wanted to, I want to separate these three words that I've been getting confused about. And this is why we have your workshop for better communication. But um, I think of this show as has contains a lot of esoterica, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Or would you say? I don't know. I, like, what does esoterica mean? Have you looked it up? Oh yeah, I did. Let me read it here. Esoterica is um, esoteric. Why would they put that as the first word? <laughs> In the <laughs> esoteric or highly specialized subjects or publications, a prof- here's the ex- uh, example: a professor of such esoterica as angelology and comparative shamanism. Okay, so yeah, we need to get the what is esoteric. Designed or understood by the specifically initiated alone. Yeah, see, that's We're, like that's like followers of the, of One Magical Hour. Okay, yeah, sure. But also, just I think that we both enjoy shining a light on something that's like maybe a little bit in the shadows, maybe a little specialized, maybe a little yeah. weird, right? That's yeah, what you, you mean by get, we're getting weird. So, and basketball 
rapping about basketball is specific things. You know, rap has its own uh, vocabulary and basketball has its own vocabulary. So combining, making it a rap about basketball, that requires a, a crossover of two specific vocabularies. And so, yeah, in that regard, it would be esoteric. Um, I don't. Well, I also think it's esoteric that I'm that I'm uh, even talking about that. No, I think like what you mean is eclectic. Ah, eclectic. Eclectic right. is you know kind of weird or funky or outside of your normal. What would be perceived as your normal purview? Um, I think it's eclectic that you're talking about it, and the subject is esoteric. Okay. I think what we're developing here are the three E's. <laughs> There's esoteric, eclectic, and ephemera. Ephemera is another word that I thought kind of meant the same thing as no. esoteric. Ephemera right. is definitely something that we deal with. And ephemera yes. is uh, generally used to talk about you know certain cultures... Uh, and it's the stuff that, that the stuff that fly, flies through and disappears very quickly. It's okay. the okay. it's it's the light and weird stuff that not everybody remembers. But so like uh, somebody who collects uh, punk rock posters from the 1980s, they deal in ephemera. You know, that's a the poster was meant to uh, promote a show, and the show's over. There, there really should not be any value in that. Yet there is, there's value in ephemera like that, and you know that's that's why it's okay. I think if we go back and we do, we remember when I had a bad habit of uh, doing news cruises that it turned out were six years out of out of uh, out of date. I, yeah, uh, you some know. of our best news cruises. I think that's fine. It, it turns out that because people's uh, attention spans are so short and they've forgotten it. Right? And yeah, it turns out it's, it turns it from news, you know, news is something that is, should be up to date to ephemera, which is something that might've passed out of our historical or our cultural conscience, uh, but it's still interesting. So yes. Okay. Okay. We do deal then, in, and, Esoteric and eclectic ephemera here at uh, here on One Magical Hour. Absolutely. And, and then there's one other E word that I just want to clear <laughs> up. And really, this is just it for in my own mind. <laughs> and I thought that this word was related to these other words. Errata. 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 <laughs> Which we also yeah. deal with here. And that is incorrect stuff. <laughs> Yeah, it's a correction <laughs> of a published text. Oh, is that right? As okay. A general rule, as a general rule, publishers issue an erratum for a production error. Yeah. But I always thought errata was like similar to ephemera. Like I thought it was like some transient thing. But th this is why we have Yield Workshop because sometimes you just got to remember when we said there were a million words in English? Like sometimes you just got to clear it up, right? And any anything published is ephemera on someone's timeline. You know, it just depends on your timeline, right? Uh, if you're t if you're talking about the history of humanoids or whatever, then uh, just about any you know what? Oh, here we go. Human beings have been oh, around. Boy. Human beings have been around for about seventy thousand years, or is it one hundred and twenty thousand years? I feel like it's one of those. Wait, you mean Homo sapiens? Homo sapiens, yeah. I think it's longer than that, man. Homo sapiens. No, I, I think Homo sapiens have been around for like, uh, like five hundred thousand or something. You know, you here we go. Something. Here comes the here comes the erratum. <laughs> the, uh, we got the over under here. Um, Shafee's taken seventy to a hundred, and I'm at five hundred thousand. What's the when did they say this is all stupid conjecture too by the way based on the best information we have at the time but this is the scientific method the scientists are saying that 
Homo sapiens split from other humanoids when? Okay. You, I feel like you're almost there. I've been vamping. I'm vamping. Humans. Humans evolved from other hominins in Africa several million years ago. Although some oh, okay. t- scientists equate humans with all members of the genus Homo, in common usage generally refers to Homo sapiens, the only extant member. H. sapiens emerged around 300,000 years ago. Evolving from Homo erectus oh. and migrating out of Africa. It was right in the right between what we right were saying. Right between us. Yeah. Anyway, I feel a little more like Homo habilis some days. You know. <laughs> or I sometimes I really feel my Neanderthal roots. You know, I, I haven't done twenty three in me, but I'm sure that if it, it was, it's going to come back with like maybe ten percent Neanderthal. I don't know. High Neanderthal. Um, High Texosity. <laughs> What's the yeah. high Nandertiosity in Neanderthalosity? <laughs> as as thousand, huh? Uh, as noted by that extended forehead of yours. Yeah, the forehead, the the heavy brow here. Mm, See, the just general look of brutality. I definitely, I definitely want you in my corner in a bar fight. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't want to, you know, thick, like my th- thick bones. <laughs> I'm big boned. What can I say? Um, anyway, thanks for joining me for a for a yield workshop that maybe just didn't really go anywhere. But I think we sorted some things out in that one. But you know what I like about this time of night? I like a... Uh, COVID safety approved cruise. Wait, uh, you know what I mean. I like wait, I like a cruise qu- where nobody. Oh, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> Homo sapiens three hundred thousand years. Uh, the written press or press the printing press about five hundred years. So that's definitely ephemera in the grand history. Anything, anything typed typeset is definitely ephemera in the whole history of Homo sapiens. Well, and judging from the last few years, all of that's going to be overrun by just, um, you know, BS that you hear on the internet. (laughs) Whatever was, whatever was set down in type in the golden age of man is going to be overrun by misinformation and, um, and just uh, people screaming into the void, just replying to stuff. Everybody just having an opinion about something. Okay, come on. Let's go on a cruise. Oh, man. Can, su- can you text me to remind me to put the music in? I like to welcome the correspondent of the corporeal and the mystical Schiffer Hall. So, Scientific American experts weigh in on Pentagon UFO report. Vast majority of examined incidents were not caused by U.S. advanced technology programs. Forthcoming report concludes. So what's going on? So this is something, this came up in the Times, but I seem to have run out of my New York Times free free articles. So I've moved over to scientific, I've pivoted to Scientific American. But the fact oh, that, yeah, smart. you know, this is just something like I'm, I'm, I'm also out of free articles. So. Anytime I see a major publication talking about, you know, I expect late night AM talk radio to talk about UFOs or podcasts. I, you know, and I'm all for it and I love to listen to it. It's some of my favorite stuff, but I always find myself wondering when the Department of Defense or the Pentagon or Congress, in this case, when they spend time reporting on I'm like, guys, come on. You guys have more important stuff to be doing. (laughs) Unless, unless they've got really something important to say about UFOs, i.e. there's one hiding behind a comet that's flying towards us and you know we we all need to uh 
start building uh, bomb shelters or something, then then uh, then that's important. But uh, for more than a decade, U.S. Department of Defense has been quietly cataloging and investigating scores of bizarre encounters, mostly from the Navy, the U.S. Navy, of ships and fighter jets tangling with, tangling with or being ta- tailgated by unidentified flying objects. Did you notice? Did you know that there had been an increasing frequency of this in the last ten years? Uh, yeah, uh, there's been um, this Navy pilot, Captain Fraber, who who um, is a really he doesn't seem like a crackpot at all. He seems like a career military man who knows his stuff. And he came on your your least favorite podcast, the Joe Rogan show and and talked about this experience that he had with this um Tic Tac off the coast of San Diego and, um, you know, observing craft uh, behaving in a manner that is not consistent with with our general understanding of physics, you know, Mm -hmm. and and then there's that whole Bob Lazar um, Netflix special and he worked at Area 51 and he talked all about the. You know, they, they, I, I believe that they have this, these crafts that contain this technology that basically bends gravitational fields. Like there's no propulsion. It, it bends gravitational fields. It's, it's a whole different way of thinking about it. And, and I think, um, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad Here's the thing here. You know, I was just being cynical about all the doom and gloom that's wrought from any nudnik being able to spread misinformation. But here's the, here's the bright side. Here's the other side of the coin is that we're at a point where the authorities can't continue to deny these things. You know, mm-hmm. when there's all these really like there's these scientists and military men you know, recounting tales of of seeing uh, either equipment or or just phenomena that can't be explained, uh, and and not this is these aren't like you know hippies and druggies and you know mm-hmm. you can't it's coming from sources that can't be discredited, and so it's not surprising to me. I, I feel great that finally you know the government is saying well. There's these things happening and we can't explain it. And that and they are really happening. So go about your business. You know. I, I look forward to when the aliens finally reveal themselves to us. You know. Uh yeah, I I watched the Bob Lazar Netflix thing and I thought I came up with the idea that Bob Lazar is a little bit of a nutbag. But uh well he okay. He yeah. he's definitely not on the same level as, <laughs> as Lieutenant Faber. But um, but still, he, I didn't, I didn't he feel like that, paint, that he, shedded any new light on anything for me. Well, also, the production value of that was such that it was like a little sensational. Right. Also, I spent all of my 20s and 30s listening to a lot of Art Bell, so I kind of already knew all of that stuff. Yeah, I was obsessed with Aliens about 25 years ago. Um, and so, uh, the, uh, the military makes no comments because that's their modus operandi. Military things are assumed classified by default, and there's nothing compelling them to clear things up. So the idea is that, uh, and then this, the same guy West goes on to say, I expect much discussion and information about the real issues of UFOs, but I do not anticipate a lot much that will please UFO enthusiasts. So, uh, you know, people are saying, all right, it's good that we're getting all this out and talking about it, but it it's probably not the aliens that everybody's hoping for. It's an interesting thing, right? That, you know, there's, there's these things that, you know, people, people want there to be extraterrestrials and they want to know about them as soon as possible. Um, so they they create their own narratives, you know, to kind of please, you know, please and excite themselves. 
it's, and then, <laughs> you know, and then it becomes a matter of what you want to believe, what you're comfortable believing, what you have the most fun believing. And, you know, these, these things all kind of get mashed up into, uh, to interesting and exciting narratives, which, you know, I mean, it's fun to, it's fun to follow them. I don't, I don't think that Congress, all reminds me of this podcast. I don't think Congress should be spending their time. I, just like I, I would be upset if I heard con- Congress was sitting around listening to one magical hour. I'd say, no, you guys, <laughs> you guys got more important stuff to do. Quit fucking around with UFOs and listening to your weird, weird podcasts that specialize in uh, eclectica, esoterica, and occasionally erotica. Uh, and errata. Uh, no, errata, not erotica. <laughs> That's a different cast. Hey, I'm just, uh, you know, I want all the poly- ephemera. I want everything to be on the table. Esoterica. I want all my options on the table, er- Matthew. <laughs> era, era, eratum. <laughs> Don't ever say eratum like that again. <laughs> era, eratum. <laughs> Do I say eratum funny? <laughs> you say everything funny, shit. Yeah, well, when you're when you're actually giggling while you say it. I think it's All right. just the intona- intonation. Let's forward. Let's we're gonna do it next next time, folks. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna discuss August Vollmer, who's. The father of modern policing. Of he, one hundred years ago, defunded the uh, Los Angeles police force. And we'll talk about some good things that came of that, and some bad things. And in the meantime, Matthew. Wait, I have. I think that. Um... I want to just have a poetry corner just to cleanse the palate here right at the end. Okay. And I've got a, I've got a dream. Perfect. I don't want to, I don't want to let go of the dreams and it's not the 99th dream. It's the 66th stream. I just turned it upside down. Yeah. If you flip it over, it's 99. Yeah. It's easy to do. All right. Here's the 66th dream. You're out in the woods hiking with a big backpack strapped to your shoulders. You reach a beautiful space beneath tall trees and drop the bag to the ground. You set up your tent and lay out your sleeping bag inside the tent. You gather rocks and form them into a circle in which you will build a fire. You gather fallen limbs and branches and arrange them inside the circle of rocks. You take out a tiny harp, no bigger than your hand, out of your backpack, and sit in the middle of the limbs and branches. The wind blows over the harp's strings, conjuring a haunting music, which sets the wood on fire. You pluck the harp out of the flames and put it, after it is cooled, back into your backpack. You you sit beside your little fire, staring up at the canopy of trees above you. The sun sets. The flames flicker and crackle. If you were to reach your arms up to the sky, you could hold the whole of night within your cupped hands. <sighs> Makes me want to go camping. Right, right, seriously. Wish it wasn't so hot. Yeah, we don't too, need a fire. It's too Thanks again, Matthias, for all of the for all of the content. Shafi, I just want to tell you that I hope that I live long enough to pay back all the kindness that's been gifted to me or, or pay forward all the kindness that's been gifted to me. You know what I mean? Especially with uh, this podcast, especially with my friends. Just want to remind everybody that we love you. I was going to say doing a, doing a free show for your friends entertainment couple times a week is a it's a pretty good way to start it's a good start yep we love you and we would like to remind you that the poorer the choices the sweeter the wine the eratum. <laughs> <laughs>